Again, we're here with uh, Anthony Crudelli to talk about common traits of successful traders. Anthony's had a lot of exposure himself in his own trading, as well as through his futures radio show, uh, handling many, many different traders, talking to many different traders of, with different approaches. Of some of them are running funds or uh, trading automatic uh, auto automated systems or trade or tr making the transition from the floor to the screen and so on. So Anthony's had a lot of exposure to the journey that traders go through. Um, we're going to just simply talk about those traits. What you know, a lot of times folks give up too soon and a lot of times they just don't know what it's going to take. And this is really what our focus is today. So Anthony, how do you think traits show up? Trader traits show up in trading. We're going to get into what your you believe the key five key traits are, but how do how does someone's traits show up in their in their trading on a day-to-day -day basis? In the heat of the moment, you know, in those times where you have to make that decision, I think that's where your true colors as a trader, your traits show up because you could do all the preparation, I guess, in the world that you want. And in the heat of the moment, you're going to be faced with decisions and different conditions all the time and different environments. And what do you do in those moments, I think, is what really separates, you know, the, the fair and good traders to the great traders. You know, how do you handle that exact moment? And to me, that's where your traits really come, come through. You know, um, that's where I see it. Okay, so with that in perspective, with that uh, idea in mind, your show has exposed you to literally hundreds of interviewees, hundreds of people you've had on. Is there, what are the, what do you believe are the five key threads um, that that tie these people together. You you sent those to us. Do you remember what those are, what you listed, or do you want me to provide that? Pull them up, and then I'll just go over them because I put them in an order, and I, when I actually was doing it, I was thinking about it, and like in my mind, like an order of what I felt, not necessarily importance, but just I think that in a specific order, I felt that of, once again, not relevance or importance, but just I think kind of like the timeline of I, in my and from my experience, kind of where I think that uh, they kind of occur and happen. So as you see here, I put consistency in their preparation. So preparation is the first thing that we do, and the first thing that all traders go through. And I feel that that is consistent through every great trader that I've spoken to is that they're consistent in that prep, and then it's the commitment to getting better remaining students because once they've figured out how they want to prepare and what their strategies are, then it's the commitment to always getting better at it. And then they're dealing with the ability to seize the moments in those heat of the moments times I talked about, you and I have talked about this, how important execution is and what you do in specific moments, I think really is what separates people that make it, that people that don't, because you can have the first two but ability to seize the moments, I think, is something that comes after you've had experience with the first two. It's ability to adapt to changing conditions because you go through all these processes and everything to build these strategies. And you're always looking to get better. You see some moments, and now the conditions change. The market, you know, changes the game on you, and you're like, wow, what, I mean, what's going on? I mean, we, you and I have been through this, you know, uh, being 
scalpers, market makers, to where the algos and the HFTs are just better at it than we are. So you have to adapt to and change to it. Uh, even though you may have the same strategy, you might have to tweak your execution a little bit. And then putting aside distractions and being hyper-focused because I think that nowadays this has become a very important aspect of having a good trade as a trader because we're we're overwhelmed by distraction now. It's constant. I mean, you, you I can get into Twitter and get on this path, you know, where all of a sudden I'm thinking a certain way and they're like, wait a minute, you know, why am I even looking at this? This is no relevance to what I'm doing. And I have to get back and be hyper-focused on what I'm doing. So I think that that's just such an important piece of the puzzle, you know, building your traits as a trader. So those are the five things that I have seen that are just very common among all, pretty much all of the top people that I've spoken with. Okay, so let's let's break those down a little bit further. So consistency in their preparation being the first one. Do you mean consistently preparing the same way, or consistency in in um, consistently being prepared, or consistency in how you do your preparation for the session? Which one of those are you emphasizing more? That's a great question because it could be: Are they consistently preparing the same way all the time, or are they just consistent in being prepared all the time? And it's 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 the it's the consistency and being prepared all the time. So I think that even my preparation I know has changed multiple times over the years, a lot of times, and it's because things have changed, right? What am I looking at? Um, what markets am I trading? Uh, what is the environment? Uh, where am I as a person? Is you know I I put health a lot more at the forefront of my preparation now, where I didn't do that in the past. So there's different things that I do in my preparation, but there's one thing I'm consistent with and all of the great traders that I've talked with is that they're consistent in being prepared each and every day. You know, they, if you start at the same time every day, it's easy to have that morning routine and start on the opening bell. But if all of a sudden one day you start at noon, are you still going through your preparation that you did? You know, this morning you had something, now you're coming in to trade the afternoon. Did you still go through the same things to be prepared for the day? So to me, a common trait that I see across the board is no matter what the situation is, no matter what time they're trading, no matter what they're doing, they're consistent and being prepared. Let's go back to the time when you were in the pit, right? To the to the quote-unquote real trading, the way it was done, where you had to be not only prepared for whatever the market's going to throw at you, but there was a physical element of getting your fills, you know, being louder, taller, pushing harder. When you look back at those guys, did it seem to you like on a day-to-day -day basis they're coming in and there's a there's a preparation element or was there such a big fat edge at that time that all you had to do is show up and and be well connected or know what's going on on the floor and that's all there is because when you go to the screen there's a lot more you have to process right you got to look at what asia did what europe did what's leading what's lagging all this stuff what was that like, uh, if you can recall from those days when you're shoulder to shoulder with these traders in the S&P pit? I would say that they were more prepared than anyone would ever think or expect. And I would say that they were more prepared probably than most even really good computer traders to these days. And I'll tell you why. Because during that time, that was the only time we really didn't congregate. That was the only time where we really didn't we weren't all talking to each other, maybe the brief moments before the bell rang. But in that morning, guys would be in their offices, they'd be with their clerks, they'd be looking at their charts. 
there was that time of, or maybe you and I would talk about almost like that meditation time before they went in, before the craziness began, that they knew exactly what they were looking for. And that was every single day. I mean, the brokers, it was a little different because the brokers didn't need to prepare as much. So there definitely was some people in the Merck Club and there were some other, you know, activities going on in the mornings. But the good traders, the traders that I learned, the traders that I know, they came in and they were very quiet in the morning, very quiet. They came in and they wanted to be very even keeled when that bell rang, you know, and they'd be yelling within a second afterwards. But coming into that, there was a process they went through every single day. And that's really where I learned about preparation. Every morning, if I didn't give my guys when I was a clerk the charts that they needed or whatever, they'd be all over me. They'd be like, get it now. Get it now. I need it. I need to see this. They needed those things. And I noticed that if they didn't get it or they were off, you could see it. And I'd be watching them and they would their whole day was, would be thrown off. Now, some of them would obviously they're good enough to where they maybe get catch themselves and get back into it. But I would notice a lot of the times, the times they weren't prepared, it was just, you know, shooting from the hip versus a calculated way of thinking. So I would say those guys in those days, and I know everyone talks about the pit and the partying, and that time, that morning time, that was quiet time, that was get your head in the game, get ready, because it's coming. That's, yeah, that's really cool to to hear about. Uh, totally agree with your consistency and being prepared. Um, why does it not work to just show up? Well, in your mind, what's the problem, right? The market's the market. Everybody's seeing the same uptick and downtick. Why why shouldn't I show up and just respond to whatever the market's doing that morning, whatever my gut's telling me that morning? Well, because the strategy doesn't make the trader. The trader makes strategy this is where execution comes into play you know i could prepare for anything but until that bell rings you don't know what's actually going to happen so your preparation only puts things into place that you could be prepared for if they happen and not always not very rarely does it happen exactly the way you want and when it does you still have to go and actually actually execute so when I look at preparation, preparation, what it does is it really just calms the mind and you know what you're looking for. So it prevents the overtrading, it prevents the undertrading, it prevents a lot of that, you know, anxiousness and nervousness. It gives you a, some comfortability of being in the market at that time. But once again, it's not going to be exactly the way you prepared. And the big key is to be able to go in and just be able to allow the market to show you something. And if it's close, then then the trader actually takes over and is able to execute based upon their preparation, based upon what they've seen in the past, based upon the conditions, the environment. And that all comes together with the basis of the preparation. But now you have to actually go in and do it, right? I mean, that to me is really what separates, like I said, the fair and the good traders from really the best. So... You're sitting there and you've just put on a trade. You just got long S&P minis or whatever. Is it possible in your mind, have you seen or experienced someone being able to hold that trade for what it's worth, for what they're, for its intended purpose without prep? I mean, I, I can't imagine that it would be easy 
for someone to not only go through the process of putting on the trade without preparation, I mean, preparation, like there's, where's, where's your confidence coming from if you're not prepared, but also you've got the trade on. And one of the biggest problems for um, at least the online traders that I've come across in the last 12, 13 years is they'll do all the homework, they'll do all the preparation and all that stuff. And then there's a, there's, you know, they put on the trade and it kind of goes in that direction a couple of ticks and it goes against them a couple of ticks, comes back for a scratch, it pushes a little bit. As soon as it starts to come back again, they're out. So they 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 locked in their two ticks and, and they're done. Part of the preparation should probably be having an understanding of not only where do I execute or what am I looking for, but how I should let things flow when the trade is on. Have you found that to be a, an easy thing to kind of develop? If you look back at your days early on as a trader, I mean, I don't know what it's like in a pit to put on a trade, especially in the bigs or whatever, and, and to have to sit through a market that's kind of sitting sideways. Is it, is it, it what can you do in your preparation to not only put, recognize the trade, put it on, but actually carry it to fruition, carry it to its full potential. So two things I think you're asking. And the first one was like, can somebody come in that's not being prepared, hold the trade that they get into to its full you know, level? And, and my answer is if it happens, it's luck, right? Because at that point you're just kind of in and you're just, maybe you freeze a little bit and something happens to where it goes your way quickly. I mean, to hold it through the grind, like you said, the two tick your way or one tick against you or whatever it is, eventually the market finds that weak point. The second thing is just talking about preparation. To me, preparation in the morning or the evening, most people it starts in the evening, gets into the next day. I put layers of things in throughout the day that consistently keep me in the now of to what's happening. So I think that there's other things that I'll put into my trading that will allow me to identify what type of day it is. So for example, I'll look at something and say, okay, right now, you know, I want to be bullish, right? I look at my charts and I'm kind of neutral to bullish, everything I look at. So I'm looking to buy dips, but I don't know if it's going to be a choppy day. I don't know if it's going to be a trend day. It could be a down day that even though overall trend is still up, there's just all these different things that could happen. So what I do is I put layers and I see this with, with all of the common traits that we talk about with these other traders. They put things into play that that give them recognition of what type of day it is or what type of scenario it is. And this comes with experience, right? That's why we need time as a trader to now identify what that type of day that is. And then you execute accordingly. I mean, a simple example I'll use is, for example, let's just say that it's I'm bullish and opening range is the low of the day. You know, you and I both know packs. It's a simple thing that I look at. I don't trade off opening range. It's not what I do, but I'll look at it and I'll say, hey, Opening range is the low of the day. Let's just say it's a little gap up. Opening range is the low and they're getting away. So it's a gap and go, whatever one wants to call it. I'll look at it and say it's got a strong potential for a trend day. I'll look at your stuff in the morning and I'll, I'll see other things that you'll see with the profile or other things and say, what represents what type of day this can be? And then it allows me to say, it gives me the confidence to hold that trade longer or, or not. So it's, I, I think it's important to when you prepare to also have things along the way that prove you something that maybe aren't part of your strategy, but they're identifying what type of day it is to give you the ability to hold that winner or not want to hold that winner. This is where you and I talk about execution all the time. 
and you know I've done really a whole shows on this and talking about this is that that's the art of it, right? That's where it's like you you have to have something layered in there where preparation carries over and it's consist, consistent throughout the day. I mean, you'll watch people like Linda Rashke or Pax or you or just so many other people I'll talk about that I've talked with and throughout the day, they'll see something and say, look at this is what type of day it is now. They, they prepare, they've done something and now all of a sudden this is what's happening. And that's what gives them the confidence to hold or not hold. So preparation to me, leads to recognition throughout the day that the market proves to you something. Yeah, excellent, excellent point. Let's move on to commitment uh, to getting better and remain, remain students of the game. So the question I have about this is, what is an example of something that you're consistently improving on? Like, uh, how, are you, uh, how are you improving on a day-to-day -day basis? What is that? It's probably a micro improvement every day, what are you doing to improve every day as a trader? Allowing yourself to recognize how the environments have changed. I'll give you a perfect example for me, and it's been a very difficult thing for me to, to get wrap my head around, especially going into the crypto side of things, is believing that things can go as far as they can go. I mean, how far these ranges can go, how long, how much, how long a rally could last, getting better at recognizing that things have changed back in the day when i first started ranges were so much more predictable i would say so i came in a lot of my game was you make a 10 point range pretty much knew the day was done you could trade against that range it just was it was there nowadays we will grind in one direction and i implemented things to keep me out of that type of trade and just to get better at trying to hold and trying to get to a trailer as quick as I can, or, you know, I don't want it to get quick, but I mean, you know, I want to be able to get small so I could hold for what I think are potential days where we just grind in one direction. The one direction days during the transition of when we were breaking out, let's say about 1500 in the S&P, when the ranges, when the bull market really just got, I mean, obviously we're 4,500 plus now, but the, the point was, is it's like, in those days, it was like I said, it was predictable ranges. And now I feel like it's just harder to identify that. Uh, especially as, as price even gets wide, wider and bigger because percentages become smaller in the moves, you know, so 1% move now is, it seems like a really big range day. Like when you look and say, look, we're down or up or down 40 points in the S&P in the scheme of things, that's not a big deal. In our day, that was a big deal. So the higher price goes, it's been a major adjustment for me to get better at understanding how much the environment's really changed, you know, and and the news, I mean, I look at news. I used to trade unemployment. I used to trade the Fed days all the time. Now, I mean, I get my clock cleaned, a lot of them, unless something happens, you know, unless something happens to where it gives me like great price opportunity and I step in because it's happened something on my daily. Um, and I say, okay, wow, I just, I'm forced to get in here because the algos took it. And I think the news, to use my one friend's phrase, my one friend, Brad, who's been on the show, Brad Jelnick was a he calls he calls it stupid news you know they way overreacted in this direction and it gave me an opportunity ira harris and i've talked about this as well so i look at that and i say i've had to adjust to that because i would just be jumping all over trading those numbers now i look at unemployment and it's like I, and it's very rarely i trade it I, you know i just it doesn't give me what i what i want i tend to wait till afterwards so i mean commitment to getting better is what worked for you before and what were good days to you before changes and you know so I'm looking to get better at, at my execution always. I'm not really changing much of my strategy. And most of the traders that I've talked to 
they really don't change much of their strategies. They might add an indicator here and there, do a couple things to tweak it, but what they look to get better at is execution of the changing environments and identifying when the environments change. Another one, a real quick one, would be look at how fast bear markets end. I feel like a week ago, or just a little longer than that actually, I was like only looking at shorts in the S&P. I'm only looking at longs again. I mean, those these breaks are over so fast that I, before I would fight that a little bit, you know, a little bit more. I'm like, look at man, what do you see? How many times have I seen this? I am really, rarely, rarely bearish the S&P unless I have multiple confirmations, which I did. I was short a few times. And then once all of a sudden it's not working again, I'm getting stopped out. I took that feedback and said, you're done, dude. You know, yeah. this thing has been a bull mode again. So it's fighting. It's about being aware of situations more now and just not fighting them, I think, is a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, uh, in this market, it's a three-day bear, five-day chop, and 20-day rally. <laughs> We're and, at all-time highs. Your head around it. Yeah, we're at all-time highs again. Very cool. Yeah. How would you suggest traders might determine what their area is to work on? Like, it's, you know, it's one thing to um, know what you need to work on to improve, to get better, to be a better student of the game, as you mentioned. But how do you identify these things? I mean, it takes, you've got a lot of experience, so you can immediately tell, like, hmm. This something in your subconscious is going to immediately say, mm -mm, this isn't working anymore. But how does someone who's learning or is in the middle of their kind of development cycle identify elements that they need to work on? Is it I get hammered and hammered and hammered? Oh, OK, then I need to work on this. Or is there a better way to approach this? Maybe a more process based way or scientific way, so to speak. What do you think? One thing that I've done, and I only can speak from my experience, and I talk with other traders about this, and I think that this is, I think it's, we're all kind of similar in this. If you take one of your favorite trade setups and you're just executing it poorly, and it's a setup that you like, and you go back and look at that environment, first you have to have to do the self-awareness test. Was it me or was it the market? How did you trade that setup? And I look at just, I will hone it in on that specific setup on something that I really like. And going back to what I've really learned is that what I was learning was that as a two-way trader, I would say over the last probably close to seven years now, I'd say it's been that long, maybe even longer. I have had to limit being a two-way trader intraday because what I, my two-way was not working as much. So I started to get more focused on primary trend, bigger picture trend, and missing days where I wasn't trading to just get the trade that I wanted. Because even the looks that I really liked, let's just say it's a two-way trade and a, a primary bull trend like right now, where I get a really good looking short setup on my short term chart and I take it and it just, you know, it like gives me my first area of risk off. I think it's gonna be good, it pops, I press it, next thing you know, I'm getting run out. That happened to me over and over again because I'm over trading and the market's environment have changed in the fact that exactly what we've talked about, we are much more of momentum. We are much more one-dimensional moves. You can blame it on HFTs. You can blame it on the Fed. You can blame it on anything you want. doesn't really matter. doesn't matter. Yeah. doesn't matter. It's I look at it and say, I am not as successful the more setups I'm trading. So even though it's an A setup for me on the short side, but it's in a bull trend, I can't trade that. So, and also I look to say, 
the flip side is on, on the bull days, the days that I do get an ace set up, get into a full position, take some of that risk I would have taken on the short side, trade a little bit bigger in terms of risk amount and try to hold that trade as long as I can if I got that set up. So how you get better is really coming down to, to the execution and identifying that environment. It goes back to the preparation and putting those layers in and just honing it in. I think the question you asked, I just look at it and say, hone in on your A setups and see how are you trading them. Identify first if it's self-awareness, if it's not that, if it's not you because something's wrong in your personal life because that could carry over, just you weren't, you didn't get enough sleep or whatever it was. And then you recognize that it's just the environment is you're going against the bigger picture grain or something, then it, you're able to fix it and actually help you on the opposite side of when that setup comes. Either you take it smaller or you don't take it, but when it comes the opposite side of that same setup, maybe you take it bigger and more aggressive. Very good. I think one the the key thing you said there that uh, that is really important to point out is go through the awareness steps. Is it me? Am I screwing up this trade, or is the market just I'm doing everything right? I'm executing right. The market's just not paying out. The response. You know, if the market's just not paying out, then the response is, okay, I need to filter out some of these trades because I'm in the wrong, on the wrong side. If your self-awareness uh, check says, I'm coming in too late or I'm FOMOing or I'm too early or whatever, that's something you can then uh, work on to be better, to become a better student of the market. Ability to seize moments. What do you mean by seize moments? Do you mean, are you talking about executing when the right pieces show up or do you mean like just the ability to spot opportunities or do you mean like seize the moments as in put a lot more on like ride this thing out which one of those are you uh, referring to it's when i say that it's really more of getting bigger when the market's telling you to respecting that feedback and recognizing this is your time you're mentally in a good place you are seeing the setup you want, you're going with the primary trend, right? And you've got, an, uh, you know, it's setting up on multiple time frames, and you're just like, look, this is your trade. And then you go in there and you trade the same size you've been trading uh, a trade against the grain when you woke up late. To me, that makes no sense because in the days, so I, this is also a transitional period, I think, for a lot of traders, whether you're in the pit or not. And I would say prior to, let's say, 2008, 9, 10 ish every day was pretty consistent for most of the day traders I know. You look at the end of the month and it was probably like, you know, you were up and down, but at the end of the month, even if you were made money, let's just say 15 out of the 20 days, you typically still made money. Uh, that changed for me, okay? Because as time went by, I was trading more, commissioned more, a lot more losers, just a lot more, just, was, just found myself, I wasn't able to achieve um, my monthly numbers, even though I would maybe be making the percentage wise near the same amount. So I had to kind of like slow things down and say, look it, man, you're just getting clipped too much on these days where you know they're crap, but yet you come in on these other days where you know they're good. And just because you've been getting chopped up, now you're too much of a wimp to take advantage of this day. You get your, your loser back and you're done. And I, even though on that day, everything's going for me really well, and I'm just letting the market just go and I'm going, you know, what are you doing? So I've started, that's why I actually turned and started to say, you've got to be able to really take advantage of moments 
when things are going well and everything is lined up because I find that these markets these days, at least in my experience, there's a lot of days where I don't like it and I don't trade. There's there's way more now than there used to be in the past. I used to wake up every day and trade every day, almost no matter what, pretty much no matter what. Um, and I found that I was just getting churned and beat up in that. So I started psychologically having to change my thinking and force myself to say, these are the looks you want. You were disciplined enough to stay away from the looks that were bad. And maybe some of them even worked, but you got everything you wanted. Now seize this moment. I would allocate some of that risk. So I have a risk per day, a risk per week, or a risk per month. So let's just say five days, thousand bucks a day. That's not what it is, but it is, I'm using this for an example today. I get to day five, Friday's the day, everything lined up. For the week, I've got $5,000 worth of risk, but the four days I didn't trade. Now, but Friday's got everything. I might risk 5,000 that day because everything's there. Now, I might not risk all of it, but my point was, is that in that moment, I've allocated time, I've allocated everything to, to, to stay away from the bad times to where something looks good, I'm gonna step on it, I'm gonna try and hold it longer, I'm gonna make the commitment to seizing that moment. Because to me, there's not enough moments, at least in my strategy and my little world that I'm looking at the markets, to be able to do that as much as I used to do it in the past. So that's really the way I look at it. And going back to the traits of all the common traits I see, I'll talk to a lot of these traders and they'll be like, it just sucks right now. I'm just not trading. When really in back in the day, even when it sucked, we still traded. Yeah. I mean, it was different. And a lot of people now are going, fool me once, you know, not fool me twice. So I'm not, I'm really way more in that camp now. And I think that too many traders come in, feel compelled to make money every day. One of the tweets I can't stand, and I know you can't either, is you say, oh, you want to make 20000 a month? That's only 1000 bucks a day. Okay, if you want to make $20,000 a month, even in the days when I was doing it, you had to make at least 1500 to 4000 on your updates because of all the other costs and all the losers that go involved with it because it doesn't work that way. Nobody's 20 for 20 every month. I mean, and if you are, good for you. I don't see it. It's not happened to me. So I look at it from a very different viewpoint is that I have to take when the market's giving because when it's taking, it's taking from me and I have to stop it and I have to wait to be able to take again. Yeah, and when it takes, your average doesn't go to zero, it goes negative. So it draws down that income exactly. by far. So let's move on to the ability to adapt to changing conditions. So adaptability, this is a, a really important trait. Man, I've, you know, I've seen I've seen guys come and go. Uh, a lot of my traders, my prop traders, you know, once things kind of turned in in 06, 07, 08 became really hard to fight on the tick level, you know, heavy, heavy scalpers, market makers, and they all went away. They're all doing different things, running pizza shops or whatever. They're successful still, but there was a huge change that took place. So the market changes and their approach or strategy didn't change. So what, what are the early indications to you that things are changing and you need to make adjustments to your strategy or your approach? Well, first I think it's going back to why a lot of those big scalpers and market makers, and I was one of them, why a lot of them are gone. 
and I'm still here, you're still here, and many others that I know are still here. Not many, I shouldn't say, but there are some. It's acceptance. You know, there wasn't a day I woke up and I wasn't 100 to 500 up on the bid and offer every single day. That's not the case anymore. And when you had, when I had to go back to trade five and 10 lots, that's what I had to be. You either want to do it or you don't want to do it. I mean, my friends that were, you know, the big traders in the pit and even the big guys I know on the screen, Hang on, Anthony. They're going in there making three, four, five thousand in a day when they're used to making twenty-five thousand, and it just didn't do it for two to five grand to down twenty-five. So before you know it, they're blowing their money. I I looked at it like either you want to do this or you don't. I mean, one day I could be a five hundred lot scalper, the next day I might be a five hundred five lot to twenty-five lot swing trader. If you aren't willing to accept that and to know that that's where you are, then you're going to struggle. I get, I share a real quick story. One of the traders, when I was walking, uh, I remember, I'll never forget it. He taught me a major lesson. I, at the time I was kicking butt, you know, and I was, every day I'd come in and be up five to 25 grand every day. And I came in, I was up 1200 bucks. I remember walking off the floor and with my head down and he tapped me, he's like, Hey, what's going on, man? You all right? I'm like, I'm only up 1200 a day. I totally screwed this day. He goes, Hey, and this guy's made a lot more money than I have. He goes, you never be upset to make 1200 bucks in a day. He goes, you should go home right now. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy could put me in his pocket and forget about it. And here's me complaining about that. It taught me something. And I came from nothing too. You know, it's not like I had a bunch of money coming into the business. I had nothing, you know? So I looked at it and said, when you get to a certain level and you start having success, it's easy to get used to that taste of feeling real good with all that money. And all of a sudden something changes, the market changes the game a little bit on you. And now you have to go back to learn a different, Get different game, still take some of your skill set, still take some of your strategy, but you got to adapt to what's different and you got to eat a little bit of humble pie, but then exist in the game. That's what you got to do. I mean, it took me, I had two years where I really made nothing. And this is in my 20 something year career. I'm going, man, I can't believe I'm back here. I go from making all this money. Now I'm back to where I can't make anything. And I, it's not that I couldn't make money, but I was going through a time where I was fighting, still scalping. And then all of a sudden I'm a swing. I had to like commit to saying, that's it. So getting back to adapting to changing conditions, you can have the same strategy and it's based the basics of it. But you might have to expand your time frame. You might have to pull some different things out. You might need to add some different things. And you we all know how we're getting beat up and what's happening. So either there's those that either want to implement it to help them get better or those that don't. So I look at it like if you've been doing this for long enough, you recognize the changes, but how much do you want to commit? You want to come in and be okay making less for a period of time? Do you want to be okay with certain things? You got to accept that. And I'm willing to accept that because who am I? I mean, I just want to be in the business. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, great point, acceptance. I mean, it goes for trading, it goes for life. You can fight all, you can fight traffic and get angry about it, but all you're doing is, you know, throwing back poison pills and hoping everybody else will get will get uh, dead you know that that's the type of thing so speaking of evolution and adapting talk to us about crypto how did you get into that how did that adaptation take place for you from a from a futures trader you're an ultra bonds guy you're an es yep. guy how did we get into crypto well, first of all, Futures Radio Show podcast, going to, I used to going to all the FIAs. I've been going there for the past seven, eight years. The podcast is almost eight years old now, which is crazy. But wow. 
I started going to the I started going to FIAs and I would go to uh, you know all of these different conferences. I was not a conference person. Okay, so but now meeting all of the corporate and like just meeting the people that run all the big trading firms and I just keep seeing crypto and I'm like, are these people for real? This is a futures conference. What are we talking about here? Until, so I started pulling up Bitcoin. And this is probably about six, seven years ago. I wasn't really trading it. Then I started talking to Chris Haymeyer. You remember Chris Haymeyer? I don't know if you know who he was, yeah. but. Gold so Chris Haymeyer, Haymeyer, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So he, when I was coming up in the business, he was one of the few people backing people. This guy I actually did a show with him many, many years ago, probably about five years ago. One of the first videos I ever did. Uh, you and I were one of the first videos too. Um, it, it was called Ahead of the Curve. And it's what Chris Haymeyer, and he was always ahead of the curve in everything he did. I, I really look at this guy as, I mean, I have so much respect for him. Great to be able to know him as a friend and he's a mentor of mine. And he said something to me that really triggered me to under, to want to get into crypto. He goes, Anthony, there's one thing I've learned in my life. And I, and I always say to him, Chris, you're always ahead of the curve. What do you think about this or that? He goes, Anthony, he goes, it's not me. He goes, I look around. He goes, and I see the smartest, richest people getting in line. He goes, I just get in line behind them. I'm, I, and he didn't say it in that exact way. He said it better, but he said it in a way of where it made total sense to me to where if they're doing it, they are the ones that have the money. They are the, they are the true big people in our industry. Go and look into it. And he has moved into all crypto now, who was a futures legend. And I don't say that lightly about a lot of people, but that guy was a legend starting prop firms in the nineties. Nobody was doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, electronic traders. Okay. Mm -hmm. And just, he just said to me, he goes, crypto is the future. And I just said, if Chris says it, he's got to be, you know, I'm going to start trading it. And so I started to trade it and that transition was difficult. Now I'm doing NFTs, everything. I mean, what I did was I allocated part of my accounts, to crypto, committed to it and said, you're going to put the time in, don't let yourself, you know, because I've blown up so many other accounts in the past. <laughs> I said, just let this account be what it is. I'm not trading it on any sort of margin or anything, which is, you know, obviously different from futures. I am trading some futures now, ETH and Bitcoin from time to time, but just committed to it and just accepted the fact that I'm a newbie in it. I'm a beginner, cool with that and just go forward and just start trading it. And I trade ETH. ETH is the product I trade the most now over every product there is. I trade it the most. Very and cool. It's, and it's like I said, I just, you know, it's what I do. Very cool. So uh, just because we're running out of time, uh, we have a couple of uh, questions from YouTube. One of them is, uh, uh, did you ever think about quitting trading? <laughs> I'm laughing because if you haven't thought about quitting trading, you haven't tried hard enough. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. saying that not to that person, but I mean, how many times I thought about quit trading? I had a heart attack at my trading machine on a Friday. <laughs> I was in the hospital Sunday. I was trading Monday morning. Call me an idiot. But I felt like it was a way for me to prove that I wasn't beaten by it. Um, it was a foolish thing to do looking back at it. But I've thought about quitting a lot of times. I mean, even to the present day, you know, you look at it and the stress it puts on you. I mean, last year I was trading a little hot and heavy again, uh, doing some intraday scalping during the time at home, which I'd never normally do. You know, scalping at home during uh, COVID. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, even though I was making money, but I felt it in my body 
And I'm going, Woody, slow down, buddy. You know, come on. So, yes, I've thought about quitting even to this day. Uh, and in the second part of that question, what did you what did you in that moment to help, what did you do in that moment to help you stay in the game? What brings you back? What keeps you here? Passion. I love it. I mean, it's you know, I wake up every day and I look at it. It's like I look around and there's just nothing else for me. I don't know what else to say. I look around and go, what would I do? Everything else and is I, too slow. Yeah. It just doesn't it doesn't fit my personality. And this goes back to what you and I talked about, adapting to the changing conditions. Either you want to find a way to stay in the business or you don't. Some people just have a cry for help and they're like, you know what? I'm burnt out. I'm done. I get it. I, I, I get it. But you can't say that you can't figure it out. If you figured it out once, you can figure it out now. It's always changing. It's always going to be that way. Don't kid yourself to think you figured out something today. It's going to be that way for the next 50 years. Not the case. Okay. Uh, just a quick one here. Put aside distractions and hyper-focus. What does, you know, I'm standing behind you in your trading room uh, right before the session opens whatever session you're trading, what am I seeing? Like, what are the things that you are focused on? Where are the distractions that have been turned off? First thing I'm focused on is breath. You've helped me with this. Meditation, I think, is a key because I think that if you can stay balanced in terms of just like the way you're going to make a decision and is huge. So the first thing I'm focused on is make sure you're breathing. Because actually from talking to with Denise Scholl in this up in an episode and several other people, I suffered through anxiety as well, you know, where you just feel like you're getting a panic attack. And I found out that she told me, she's like, you're really not breathing when you're trading. And I'm like, you know, of course I am. I would be passing out. But that's why you get so I'm focusing on breath, getting it in, not being over caffeinated, you know, of certain things. And then I'm focused in on, you know, what do I want to look at on Twitter? I, I use Twitter. I think it's important. Uh, I think you have to have some experience in trading to really understand how to use it. I do think that's the case. I think a lot of people can be thrown in different directions from it. I'll watch your videos. I'll watch even, I like the macro minute. I watch a couple of other people. I like to get a sense of what people think about the market. And I think once you're, it gets back to why, uh, how you get hyper-focused is once you kind of hear like the playing field of what other traders are doing, you could then get in and just get focused on what you're thinking it is. At that point, I know what I'm looking for now. So the hyper-focused distractions are like, what's supporting or contradicting my thoughts for today? And I want to be proven wrong. So I'll look at it and I'll say, does it make sense? Does it not make sense? Look at this. This is supporting what I'm seeing and I'll see other things. And you obviously look at your charts and I'm looking at it. My charts are pretty much at that point. I know what levels I'm looking for. And I'll watch other things, like I said, in preparation that it'll, it'll be leveled to to help me. But hyper-focused, I mean, that's what it is. You know, I mean, you're just looking at everything else and going, I know what I want to do. I believe in my prep. I've heard what other people have to say. I get it. And now what's what am I going to do to make money today? And, and, and that's the way I look at it. Very cool. Um, let's move on. I just want to remind everyone that um, that uh, we do. There's a pretty active uh, YouTube channel at Conversion Trading. If you follow this link here, go to ct.pro forward slash ct dash YouTube. It'll automatically subscribe you to CT's uh, CT's YouTube channel. If you're interested in what we do at Conversion Trading, please go to convergentrading.com and uh and look into what is uh, being discussed 
every day in there, which a lot of what Anthony talks about is stuff that we repeat. We've done webinars on it. We've done uh, study halls. We do uh, we do something every week. We do a trade talk every Tuesday, a webinar every uh, Thursday, and we're constantly re-emphasizing these points. So conversiontrading.com. Um, we, we covered this already. The one thing I wanted to um, ask, actually, I need to skip to this one here uh, just to wrap up. What traits are needed to survive different market cycles in a constantly changing environment? You touched on it a, a little bit earlier with my question. You know, I used to have these prop traders and they've all moved on doing different things. What are the traits that you've come across on your show, you personally, and with the traders that you, you have around you that you think are key to them surviving different market cycles, different regimes, uh, and staying in the game? Other than being passionate about trading, what are the traits that you have to have to really kind of endure in this business that is changing from week to week, month to month? How do you survive that? Great self-awareness and acceptance of what it is. I, I think that's really it because I look at it and go, I can't fight it. I can't change it. You made the great analogy of like you could try and get pissed off about traffic, but what's it going to change? I look at it and go, either you want to figure it out for what it is right now or you don't. I mean, I, I just really do think it's that simple because once you have good self-awareness and you understand that, look, this is what you want to do, you have that commitment. Now, if you want to adapt to the changing environments, you just have to look around and the market tells you everything you need to know. We all have the same information. You yeah, figure out, I mean, I, that's the way I, I feel about it. I mean, it's like when I start getting busier and scalping, I start looking more at your stuff. I start looking more at like intraday things i know what different environments what tools i'm going to use to help me execute them you know like right now i'm looking at some more macro stuff i want to kind of understand what news might come out to derail this rally if it's ever even possible so there's you know i'm looking at yields again because i saw the uptick in you know so i'm i'm looking at it and saying what what could i do to get better at where we are right now i mean i know my technicals and i'm going to accept the market for what it is but then i'll do little different homework pieces during different times based upon the environment. So it's acceptance, accept it for what it is and you'll find a way to get better. Okay, so I'm gonna just uh, take a couple questions that were asked on YouTube. Anthony, when you execute your trades, how do you execute your targets? Do you just respond in the moment or are they predetermined so you have limit orders uh, sta uh, standing out there? Uh, so first, Targets uh, primarily as a swing trader these days, I should clarify that. Um, you know, that's mostly what I'm doing. And the targets are already in set in stone. I know where they are, but I will work some existing scales around there. Uh, so trading with multiple contracts, I always work some scales right away. Uh, I'll put those in just because I'm like, look at, I know when they get there, I just don't even want to think about it. I want to be out of some of them. And that'll be anywhere from 10 to let's say 40% at that point at the first area that I like, and I'll scale them around. So let's just say that it's a 10 lot to make it easy. I'll have anywhere from one to four contracts there, already out there. Then I'm, I'll probably try and wait and see what it'll do around the first level of resistance. And then it'll maybe take off five and then 60%, right? And then 
and then wait and see what it does. If all of a sudden it pushes through it, comes back, holds that first area, I might get, I might go back and put one or two back on, you know, and, and that, and look for the target. Once again, what's the scenario? If the day I feel is already done, we're near the top part of what the range would be, you know, there's something going on there, then I might be out of 80% and say, look it, I can't leave a lot on here. Um, and I will, a lot of it will be pre-planned um, in terms of, well, the area will always be pre-planned, but the existing orders will probably be half of what I know I probably might take off. And then because I want to see, and I also don't like to sometimes be stagnant with an order. So like, let's just say that, you know, I think that, you know, 60 even is going to be the t uh, area where I want to stop and, and it goes up and it trades 59 half and all of a sudden it's trading 57. And I'm like, okay, well, I work in 60 evens. And now I missed it by 50 cents. I'm going to sell seven evens. Once it gets up to nine even, I'll start plucking them off, you know? So I don't let that happen to me because I know that it'll it'll frustrate me and piss me off. So that's why I don't work a ton of orders. I'll work half of what I think I might get out of and maybe they'll ding me and the other half I'm active. If it goes the opposite way, I'm always adding or taking off a round initial position. If I get into something and it pukes against me right away, I'll look at the scenario and say, does it make sense to add? Does it make sense to take some off? And I will do that actively before my stop. We'll work the stop majority of the time uh, not all the time. It depends on how close I am to it. If I start getting really close to a stop, I won't put it in because I don't want to get one ticked. And if it goes through it, I just, I'll dump them. So, you know, that, that's in a nutshell what I'm doing. Do you, how do you trail a runner once the risk is off and, and you've got, you know, a trail on? What's your method of managing that runner? Are you kind of actively watching it because you're swing trading, so you're going to sleep and do other things with your life? Yeah. How do you trail that? Do you use an indicator to do that or how's it done? Yeah, that's exactly right. I use an indicator. Most of the time I'll use a 10 period moving average on a 60 minute chart on the swing. Uh, and if I feel like the, the, the picture has gotten a little bit bigger, I, I use simple moving averages basically uh, for a majority of them because I feel like if we're trending powerful enough, then if I use just a short term simple moving average, 10 is the lowest I go. I feel pretty confident that if it breaks that by enough, I don't want them anyway, you know, whatever. It, it, that's the one thing I use moving averages for is just to help me guide um, winners and, and to tell how powerful a trend is. So moving averages. Very cool. Uh, one more uh, one more question. Do you look at market profiles at all? I know you've had me, you've had uh, James Dalton on, you've had Merritt Black on, you've had... Uh, um, what's that guy in, in texas uh, likes to grill a lot uh, double wide capital oh yeah double uh, wide i've had josh trade with profile i've had yeah. um, lots josh schuler paul asmar do you do you uh do you use market profiling at all in your own analysis not anymore uh, i actually look at other people's analysis for this now i don't use it as much myself i like looking at all the people that you mentioned for it your, you know yourself included like when i start scalping more i'll tune into your stuff more like when i'm more intraday i love seeing the stuff that you're doing it saves me the time and the homework to do it i i am definitely more of a big picture homework trader now i'm not doing as much on the very you know much intraday as much as i used to but if i was committed to trading intraday every day i would be looking at volume profile market profile order flow 100 i think for day traders to me 
I go back to it. I think that it's one of the best tools out there for it. As a swing trader, I try to keep myself out of it a little bit, but I will look at the bigger picture, like single tick areas that coincide with an area I think we might break out in, you know, where's the, the bigger value areas. And I'll watch those videos just to see what they are. And I'll be like, wow, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> that's kind of coinciding or contradicting what I'm saying. But I do like the tools. I think they're great tools. I just don't use them as much as a swing trader. Okay, uh, back to crypto. Someone's asking, what platforms, exchanges do you do crypto on, if you don't mind sharing? Well, I actually use multiple exchanges um, because I've had situations where, you know, I won't forget too long ago, where I, we had a big move lower. I went in and I tried to buy um, and on Coinbase and I couldn't even get into it. Um, kind of pissed me off. So I have Coinbase Pro. Uh, I have, I use MetaMask for a lot of stuff because I'm doing NFTs, so I do swaps. I'll use, uh, I'm trading some really like kind of <laughs> cryptos that maybe some people don't even really even know about. So I'll use, like I said, MetaMask for that. Um, Oneinch.io, I'll use, which kind of goes off of MetaMask. And, but majority of the flow I'll go through is Coinbase. I even, I have a Kraken account and a Gemini account as well. And the reason why I have multiple accounts, so I should say this, because Number one, I like to spread it out um, and because I have different accounts for different reasons I'm trading, you know, and I'm trying to also, as I'm going through this learning process, gauging how I'm trading. And some some of them like Binance, I have an account with them too uh, because they offer certain cryptos that other ones don't have. So like Coinbase doesn't have a ton. I'll funnel a lot through Coinbase Pro, but I'll also go through Binance because I might want to buy something there. Um, and I just feel like having it spread out because let's face it, they a lot of them have been hacked, a lot of them have had issues. So for me, I look at it and go, I am not going to be caught loaded with all of them in one thing, in one account. I just won't let it happen. Um, so those are just to name a few. But I recommend if you're getting into crypto, you need to have a MetaMask account. That's one thing I will say. I think that's uh, I got that. I remember that discussion we had a few months ago, and uh, and I went out and and opened an account there. Uh, it was, it was, let me tell you, uh, Crudelli is, uh, Anthony went from just a, just a simple futures guy to a, like, he'll talk about cryptos for two hours. Yeah, solid. <laughs> so, yeah. um, one thing I wanted to, uh, let everybody know, oops, let everybody know is that, um, Anthony's online, of course. You can reach him, and I would strongly recommend you follow uh, and listen to his show, uh, Futures Traders, uh, Futures Radio Show. You can find Anthony Credelli at anthonycredelli.com. I would definitely follow Anthony at twitter.com forward slash Anthony Credelli. He's also on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash in slash Anthony Credelli. YouTube channel's also been very busy lately. Uh, YouTube.com forward slash Anthony Credelli will get you there. And of course, look for Anthony Crudelli on Apple, Spotify, and whatever your favorite podcasting tool is. Really appreciate you coming on, Anthony. Appreciate everybody being here. Uh, but we're out of time. And uh, always, always, always a pleasure speaking with you, Anthony. And I always learn something from you, man. Really appreciate your time with us. Take care, everyone. Thank you, my brother. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. See Take care. Around. Thanks.